And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Ken Smith, a retired pastor from Syracuse, New York, now living in a new area. And Pastor Ken, it's great to have you on with us today. Glad to be here, brother. You ministered for a number of years in the Syracuse, New York area. And um, before we get started on some of our questions, how many years were you there in Syracuse? And can you also talk about, I, I believe you just lost your wife as well. I did. Yeah, my uh, wife and I went up to Syracuse in 1993, and um, we were there for nine years in the the pastorate. By that time, I was getting up to retirement age anyway, and so I had given them a suggestion as to how long I would plan to be there, Lord willing. And that worked out quite well. You were in a church, I believe it was a, a Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America. Was that the group you were with? That's right. And I I could fill in there, uh, Dan, by telling you that I am a Reformed Presbyterian by birth. My father was a pastor. His father was an elder in the RP Church, and I don't know how far back it goes. <laughs> but uh, that doesn't make you a Christian, of course. No, it doesn't, right. But it does have tremendous blessings. Yeah. So I'm a I'm a covenant son and uh, was born in the countryside in Vermont in 1927. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I got to Syracuse, I had served most of my my uh, active pastorates. That's wonderful. Our listeners may faintly recall your name. Um, some time ago, we had interviewed a friend of yours, uh, Rosaria Butterfield. Oh, yeah. And she um, mentioned how much she loved her pastor and how helpful you were to her. And um, before we start talking about discipleship and friendship and hospitality, can you talk very briefly, if if you desire, about your wife and how she was a help mate to you in the ministry? Well, I... <laughs> the only problem with this would be brief. But anyway, um, no, I met my wife at a navigator seminar in Glen Erie, Colorado, in uh, 1954. Uh-huh. And uh, she doesn't remember that at all. But uh, she came to Pittsburgh, where I was pastor, Two years later, she was ministering there in a girl's work, and uh, so uh, it wasn't long before our hearts were knit, and we uh, uh, agreed to be married. That's beautiful. So it it was beautiful how the Lord uh, blessed us. She was 18 months older than I, and she was 30 when we married, and I was 28. Mm -hmm. So um, we had a meeting of mind, not only in terms of our love for each other, but also for our vision. Mm. And we just clicked, brother, right from the start. Mm. She had the same thing on her heart that I did, and uh, that's the way we lived our 60 years together. That's, That's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. It was wonderful. We didn't have 
I mean, we we had ministry on our heart. That was a thing. Yeah. Um, my wife does some elder care. Mm. And it it's very hard, but it's also a blessing. As she and I were talking a few days ago about a um, person that she had cared for, actually a couple, and both have passed now. Mm. And she talked about, you know, saying the Lord's Prayer with this lady who um, was well along the path of Alzheimer's and how that mm. uh, the Lord Lord's Prayer would come back to her and, and, the, and the husband would be blessed. And uh, Christian caring goes a long way. I know that towards... Oh, yeah. Towards the end of your wife's life, um, that probably took up a good deal of your time. Well, it was very interesting because, you know, while I retired from the pastorate, I never retired from the ministry, and I kept quite busy until she began to falter with her loss of memory and mm. things like that, which discouraged her. And it was wonderful how my request for ministry stopped. Hmm abruptly stopped. Yes. And she kept saying, I don't want to interfere with your ministry. And I said, love, you are my ministry right now. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, yes. Yeah. This is a little random today. I hope it's okay. But um, in your, uh, particularly in your tradition, you sing God's songs back to him, the Psalms. Right. And um, did that play a part with you and your wife towards the end? It's always played a part in our life. I don't know if it was any more at the end than it was at the beginning. <laughs> um, she loved the Word. She loved the Word, and somebody gave her a split-leaf solder. Do you ever see a split-leaf solder? I don't think so, no. Well, it's got the words at the bottom, it's got the tunes at the top, and it's ah. split, and you can use different tunes for, for the same words. Nice. It's, they, they have them in Scotland. But anyway, somebody gave her that, and she was so excited when she found out she could sing the Psalms. Now, this is before I met her. Yeah. So God had prepared her, and when she came into this congregation with me and this this uh, branch of the church, she was so excited to sing the Psalms. <laughs> it was it was great, and of course, we always sang in our family worship. Right. A wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about caring for others, discipling, entertaining people in the home. It looks like, from a distance, what I perceive is that you really worked at this and yet enjoyed it, and having people in and and helping them come closer to our Lord. Yeah, that's that's quite true. We both came to understand the nature of ministry through the navigators. And this, the, the interesting thing was, it's, it all has to do with our union with Christ, which is solid theology. So what I learned from the navigators was how to implement that whole relationship that I had with Jesus as it related to ministry to other people. Mm. And she had gotten the same thing, you see, in her training with the Navigators. So when we came together, we already understood the nature of discipleship. And it just followed. In other words, we didn't make a big deal out of setting aside our home for discipleship. It's just the way we lived. Yeah. 
that's the way we lived. And, of course, when our sons came on the scene as children, they fit right in. So we had people in our home who were, many of them had never seen a Christian home function. Mm-hmm. They were Christians, but they they just didn't know that. And many of them did not know much about how to walk with Christ themselves, mm. which is this fundamental of discipleship, is teaching a person how to walk with Jesus mm-hmm. in the Spirit. So that was just our lifestyle. That was our lifestyle. And, and we, of course, we had family worship morning and evening. Mm. I grew up with that. And I didn't like it oftentimes because it was too long, and I was not of a mind to worship the Lord in my sinful state. Mm -hmm. But uh, once I began to understand discipleship and the whole place of praising God with song, the Psalms just came alive. Um, You have people in your home, and Mm -hmm. you're doing it because you love them. It, it's sincere. It's not like you're doing it because, oh, I want to grow this church. But you're doing it because you have a love for the individual, right? Well, God kept bringing them to us. Sure. <laughs> yeah. See, that, and that was a big thing that I learned, that I didn't go and do a ministry for Jesus. When I learned to abide in him, John 15, then I looked to him for ministry. Mm. And I was not disappointed. Yeah. Because he kept sending people our way whom we could help. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was a real relationship with the triune God of the Scriptures. Amen. Amen. And let me, let me say something here that was very important. When we had our young sons, and they were, they were, quite active boys, <laughs> uh, they learned to worship, you see, at our breakfast table and at our dinner table at night. Mm. And here are these people sitting here who've never seen a family grow in the Lord. So it wasn't just what they were, we were teaching them directly. They observed, you see, this whole principle, what I like to call the covenant principle, being built into our children right from scratch. Mm. And that had a powerful impact on them. What did your boys end up doing as they grew older? Well, they're all walking with Jesus. One of them went into higher education and uh, taught at Syracuse in the the field of strategic management, then became president uh, for 11 years at Geneva College, Mm. and he's now uh, dean of the School of Business down in uh, Mary Hardin Baylor in Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second one went into the Marine Corps, Mm. and uh, he went all the way up to captain and was about to be promoted and and he felt he did not want to be gone from his children mm. during their teen years. So he resigned, and he's working now with an aircraft corporation in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And has been there ever since. The third one told me he wanted to be a, a lawyer. And then one day, 
he called me and said, you don't need to to do any more about applications for help. He said, <laughs> I want to go to seminary. Oh, how about that? So, uh, and he's actually pastoring a church that I helped plant. Oh, that's wonderful. These are encouraging accounts of what God has done as you've faithfully followed him in the home. Yeah, he's just been so good to us. (laughs) If um, people have other folks in their home, and those other folks that they come in are, in the beginning at least, antagonistic to the gospel, how do you deal with that without, without getting upset or offending them or becoming offended yourself? Well, let me give you a principle. You must learn, if you're going to do this kind of ministry, you must learn how to distinguish between acceptance and approval. Hmm. I preached in a congregation for 19 years, and the elder told me that was the most important thing that we taught that congregation while we were there. Mm-hmm. Because that allows freedom. See, and a lot of people don't understand in the early days how we could have Rosaria at our dinner table, you know? Sure. Why not? You bet. See, and we weren't sitting there in judgment on her, nor were we trying to coerce her in any different direction. We just wanted to get acquainted with her. It was sincere, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. On both her part and my part. And when she, that night, See, I was trying to use her, and she was trying to use me, if you really go back into the story, because she was researching evangelical church. (laughs) And and I was a candidate, see, that her friend in the sociology department was encouraging her, (laughs) just pursue me. I was good research. I was good research. (laughs) What I wanted to do is I wanted to get through this English prof to the students so that I could give them an overview of the Scriptures so they knew something about the Bible when they left the university. Oh, that's excellent, yeah. That's And that's what we were... You see, neither one of us was after the other one. <laughs> that was that was God's doing. Yeah, <laughs> it is, yeah. That first, that first night when she was at dinner, uh, Floyd asked her about her living situation, and she she told us she was a partner. That's when we found out she was a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And then uh, she said in the course of my pressing her to get to these students, which she was reluctant to let me do, she said, I'm not even sure I know what I believe. (laughs) See, well, then the lights went on. Yes. This was a divine appointment. Oh, was it ever? Was it ever? Can you um, clarify to our listeners, what you mean by acceptance as compared with approval? Well, it's true with our children. You know, we don't reject our children because they do something of which we disapprove, right? Absolutely. We can disapprove our children doing this or that or disobeying all that, we don't reject our children. Right. We still love them. We still... Well, that's one of the best ways I know to illustrate the difference. Yeah. And if you, if you studied Jesus, his relationship with people was that all the way. 
Yeah, you're right. And, you know, you can get acquainted with a person without sitting judgment on them. And, you know, so many people have remarked, in fact, Rosaria herself remarked, she was surprised I didn't invite her to church. <laughs> I never did. Yeah. I never invited that gal to church. So here you are, a minister of Word and Sacrament, loving the Lord Jesus and leading people in worship. Uh, you're a minister, and yet you don't even invite her to worship. That is very interesting. Well, she wasn't ready for it in the first place, and I knew she would expect that. <laughs> but she was nowhere near ready for a worship service in our church. Yeah. Very interesting. That's why I, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in halfway houses. Yes. Between the church and the world. The world is so far away from what we do on the Lord's Day in our gathered worship. It's so different. It is, yeah. Totally different. I don't think that's the place most people really ought to be invited to. I think they ought to be invited to dinner in a home and conversation and perhaps eventually a Bible study in a home. You know, gradually draw them in. Now, you're, you're, um, you are in your senior years now, and you're speaking as a man who's, who's walked uh, many roads uh, with the Lord. I want to ask this question. Um, evangelism, it seems that the point of contact and caring for the individual um, needs to come first. Well, you need to know the gospel. Yeah. And uh, when I taught evangelism in the seminary classroom, which, it, by the way, is like teaching swimming by correspondence course, <laughs> uh, I found out the guys didn't know how, they didn't know what the gospel was in capsule form. Mm -hmm. They couldn't give it. I changed the whole course. So these guys knew how to present the gospel in six or seven different ways. Mm. And uh, that's the first thing, understand the gospel, and then understand how to share it yeah. with other people when the time is right. Yes, that then that was the part I was getting at there, when, when the time is right. Mm -hmm. Apparently, you have um, been directed by the Lord in terms of reading His Word and the Spirit guiding you by that Word to know when the time is right, kind of feel the person out. Well, let me say that behind all of that, and this was something I had to learn, I did not know this when I came out of seminary. In fact, I knew very little about how to minister. I could preach, but... I'm talking about ministry now. Mm. And when I came to understand the doctrine of union with Christ, mm. it was then I understood that it was not my effort to bring people to Christ. It was Christ's work through me to produce fruit. Mm -hmm. That changed the whole perspective. And I remember sitting in the <laughs> meeting with Dawson Trotman in 1952, and I heard what he said for the third time in that same morning. I'd heard him in three different groups, mm -hmm. and I heard, and, and all of a sudden, it was as though I understood for the first time that it was my union with Christ by which I could expect fruit. Mm. Very good. Which 
changed the whole emphasis then, you see, and focus of my life and ministry. Mm-hmm. And when I began to focus on this, it changed my preaching. I became a long-winded preacher. Um, but I had so much to give. Mm. And my my devotional life came alive because I was now looking for not just information, but communication. Mm-hmm. And so that I was a prepared vessel for God to use me. And he started bringing people to me. <laughs> I love that, yes. Uh, well, I loved it too, let me tell you, because I then began to understand how multiplication, which I heard from Trotman, mm-hmm. how multiplication works. And it's why follow-up on the new believer is so critical. Because if he never grows to maturity, he's not going to reproduce. Yeah. But if he can be taught how to walk with Jesus faithfully and look to Jesus for fruit, when he is given somebody, he knows what to do with him. Amen. Now, you no longer live in Syracuse. Where are you located now? Well... I'm on north side Pittsburgh. Okay. And actually about a mile from where my wife and I were married. Oh, how about that? In my first church. But we live in a Reformed Presbyterian home, I should say. I now live in the Reformed Presbyterian home where my wife and I came about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And we thought it we thought we ought to wait till we got old, but we decided that we were probably ready to <laughs> Uh, come, so we we uh, we came, and we've been here for the last two and a half years. We underestimate how much can be done for the kingdom by seniors. That's my my personal opinion. We have a a man in our church, for example, who plays the organ regularly, and he's age ninety. Many folks just continue serving the Lord. In the last minute remaining, could you encourage the seniors in our audience? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, I find that people come to me when I'm keeping my heart before the Lord and I'm walking with Him on a day-by-day basis. They call me. They contact me. Mm. That doesn't mean that I don't try to help those that are in need. But again, I keep the idea that ministry comes from Jesus. Amen. If I'm walking with Jesus, I don't have to be too concerned about whether I'm ministering or not. that makes sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something we can take from the discussion today, and I, I trust will be of great benefit to the listener. See, well, that, that's not an age-bound idea. Right. Yep. Today we've been talking with Pastor Ken Smith. He's a retired Reformed Presbyterian minister. And you've written a book. It's called With Him. It calls men to discipleship modeled on Jesus Christ. And it's drawn from your pastoral experiences, explains how it's possible to find godly men, disciple them, and how you can practically start using the With Him principle. And it's available from Crown and Covenant Publications. So, Ken... Thank you so much for taking your precious time today with our listeners. We appreciate it. Well, I am delighted to share, and I hope it can be helpful. I'm sure it will be. Good. And dear listener, 
please find us online at RedeemerBroadcasting.org, where a podcast of this broadcast is up on our website. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. God willing, we'll see you next week. Hear my cry.